Democrats have been adamant about pushing through nationwide mail-in voting. Nancy Pelosi wanted to get mail-in voting nationwide through with a coronavirus relief package. The argument is that because it's unsafe to go out due to the coronavirus, we should all vote by mail. But Republicans are concerned this will lead to widespread voter fraud. No one will be checking where the ballots are coming from, where they're going, and you'll just be hoping that the ballots are actually secure. There are concerns that people could easily slip in ballots, fraudulently fill out ballots, or someone could get the ballots for their kids or their parents, fill out them for the other family members and basically commit voter fraud. Well, many people are arguing there's no such thing. There's no voter fraud. It's a myth. Put it to rest. And I've got several arguments to show you from people who claim that's the case. But we actually are seeing now some freaky goings on and some real instances that raise questions about whether or not we're really seeing voter fraud, notably in North Jersey, where people are claiming they didn't actually get their ballots yet. For some reason, it is being said they voted. In Maryland, they received absentee ballots from South Carolina. And in Nevada, there's ballots lying around and weird videos popping up. People are pointing their finger at these mail-in ballot inconsistencies, and they're very concerned about it. But while they say voter fraud is not widespread, it's not serious, we actually have a breaking story from South Philly. A judge of elections has actually admitted to taking bribes to stuff the ballot box for Democratic candidates, more than one. Now, some may argue it's a local election, doesn't matter. No, I tell you this, local elections are the most important. Now, I think it's fair to say they're all equally important, but too often we disregard local elections and the seriousness of how these things impact our lives. And you got to understand that most of what we go through every day is at the local level. So we need to be paying attention because things like this are absolutely happening. Now, whether or not these stories translate to a greater trend of nationwide mail-in voting, I don't know. But I will tell you, if Republicans are concerned that there could be mail fraud through mail-in voting, and we actually have evidence in certain areas it does happen. Perhaps then we should consider that mail-in voting is not secure. Maybe the Democrats want to make an argument for it. There has to be some very serious precautions taken and very serious security measures for mail-in ballot, uh, mail ballots. But maybe it's just not possible. Let's take a look at these stories and break down whether or not we're dealing with a myth. There is no voter fraud. And we'll start by looking at an actual breaking story where a dude admitted to cheating for the Democrats. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give, but the best thing you can do is share this video. People are going to tell you uh, voter fraud isn't real. Well, we've got this one instance, and this story is very, very serious. And they're going to tell me that I'm biased. And you know, maybe I am, but this is the story that's popping up, okay? Maybe, maybe I missed some of these other big stories. This is the one I have. A judge, was actually, a judge was actually taking bribes to prop up Democrats. Let's read the story. From the Philadelphia Inquirer, they say a former judge of elections and Democratic committee person from South Philadelphia has pleaded guilty to accepting $2,500 in bribes to inflate the vote totals for three Democratic candidates for common pleas court judge in 2015, and also accepted money to add votes for other candidates U.S. Attorney William M. McSwain announced Thursday. Dominic J. DeMuro, 73, pleaded guilty to conspiracy to deprive Philadelphia voters of their civil rights by fraudulently stuffing the ballot boxes for the judicial candidates and for other candidates seeking office in the 2014 and 2016 primary elections. And he admitted violating the Travel Act, which forbids the use of a cell phone to promote illegal activity, McSwain's office said. DeMuro, 
who could not be reached for comment was paid between $300 and $5,000 for each election, the office said. Our election system relies on the honesty and the integrity of its election officials. If they are corrupt, the system is corrupt, which creates opportunities for election fraud and for the counting of fake votes, McSwain said in a video recorded statement sent to news outlets. DeMuro fraudulently stuffed the ballot box by literally standing in a voting booth and voting over and over as fast as he could while he thought the coast was clear. This is utterly reprehensible conduct. The charges announced today do not erase what he did, but they do ensure that he is held to account for those actions, McSwain added. He did not name the candidate and did not say if they won their elections. Well, I think they absolutely should. I mean, these elections have to be void now, right? You mean that you mean to tell me there could be people in public office who didn't actually get elected? I think it's pretty important they reveal who these individuals were and whether or not the election was swung by this judge stuffing the ballot in exchange for bribes from political consultants. It really is that easy, isn't it? When the media tells you fraud doesn't exist, I'd imagine that would raise some eyebrows. And you have to question why they would say this. Voter fraud does exist. It's why we have security at all. Why would you want to relax security? We're better safe than sorry, right? I mean, look, we locked down across the country over an abundance of precaution. And you know what? Many of these nationwide field hospitals weren't used. So maybe we did the right thing being overly cautious, even though we didn't need it. Perhaps it's important to have election security, especially after dealing with years and years of them claiming that Russia was interfering with our elections. Now, I'm not saying what I think that security should be, but certainly we can all accept this is a problem, right? Politics aside, DeMuro admitted that a political consultant whose name prosecutors did not reveal paid him to add votes for Democratic candidates running for the bench and other federal, state and local offices. Prosecutor said, we're not even talking about local office at this point. Now we're talking about federal elections. Is this guy going to face federal you know, uh, uh, law enforcement? And who is this consultant who paid for it? Shouldn't they also be getting arrested, charged or indicted? The consultant, who is a former elected official, took fees from the candidates and used part of the money to pay DeMuro, a judge of elections in the 36th division of the 39th ward, they said. Sounds to me like these candidates were actually involved, paying fees to a guy who then used that money to bribe a judge to stuff the ballots. In May 2014, DeMuro inflated vote totals by adding 27 fraudulent ballots in the primary election. 40 votes in May 2015 and 46 in 2016, according to court documents outlining the scheme and the charges against him. While those numbers may seem small, prosecutors said they made up a significant percentage of the total votes cast at the polling place. In 2014, 118 total ballots were reported there, which means that DeMuro fraudulent, DeMuro's fraudulent votes accounted for over 22% of the total voting in that division in 2014. In 2015, his fraud accounted for over 15% of the votes cast in divisions in the division. In 2016, it accounted for, for 17%. Al Schmidt, vice chairman of the Office of Philadelphia City Commissioners, which runs elections, said his office found that DeMuro's 36th division had a history of more votes being cast on machines than the number of voters who signed poll books. His and his office referred the division's troubling vote uh, numbers from 2014 and 15 to the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office. It was pretty flagrant and it was repeated again and again. It was a source of frustration for me because it kept occurring again and again. Of the city's 1,703 voting divisions, Schmidt said the commissioner's office flagged voting irregularities in about six divisions in each election and refers them to law enforcement. 
We take election integrity seriously. That's why we've been, we've been referring these cases since I first came into office in 2012. DeMuro, who pleaded guilty in March in a sealed proceeding before U.S. District Judge Paul S. Diamond, faces up to 15 years in federal prison when sentenced June 30th. So this does sound like these are federal charges. His lawyer, Janine Vinci, declined to comment Thursday. In a statement, FBI Special Agent Michael J. Driscoll denounced DeMuro's actions. Dominic DeMuro put a thumb on the scale for certain candidates in exchange for bribes. As public trust in the electoral process is vital, the FBI's message today is clear. Election interference of any kind by hostile foreign actors or dishonest local officials won't be tolerated. The investigation is ongoing, and those with information on election fraud are asked to contact the FBI. Now, this is scary. This guy was, was swinging the vote for federal elections. Now, you got to understand, we have found evidence of one person doing one thing in a small election with about you know, 1,700 votes. In some, in some votes, only 118 votes cast. He was absolutely uh, putting weight on the scales, which says to me it may have, may have actually swung the vote. However, what you got to realize is that there are a bunch of different districts. The districts all vote, and then that trickles up. Think about this. How this think about how that, that would work in a federal election. You would need guys like him, people like him, in many different districts to swing an election. But there are key places where this is possible. You might find a county with only a few hundred people. You only need a couple dozen fake votes, and that county turns a certain color, and then that provides, you know, delegates or whatever, depending on the kind of primary they're doing, uh, uh, the kind of election they're doing, be it a primary or federal election. Regardless of, of how severe or how, uh, how you know, uh, how, how much this actually swayed the elections, we got to take this stuff seriously. And it looks like the FBI does. Now, recently, Donald Trump, here's what the New York Times reported, Donald Trump steps up attacks on mail voting making false claims about fraud. President Trump initially said he might withhold federal funding for, for Michigan and Nevada if the states move forward in expanding vote by, ma- vote by mail, though he later backed off the threat. Trump is taking this very, very seriously. But there's something interesting I want to talk about before I show you actual questionable instances. One of the concerns I see for Republicans is that mail-in voting is likely to increase youth, t- youth turnout, in my opinion. Actually, that was my opinion until it was proven false, at least so far. What I was thinking was, well, while voter fraud is a very serious issue we need to pay attention to, one of the things that will negatively impact Republicans is that vote by mail will increase the amount of apathetic voters. So you've got young people who don't care to vote. They get a ballot in the mail and they say, sure, fine, whatever. They fill it out and just put it back in the mailbox. This is a huge advantage for Democrats, which is why it makes sense. In my opinion, they would want to change the rules. Right now, you have people who want to vote voting. People who don't want to vote, don't vote. How do you get people who don't want to vote to vote? Put the ballot right in their face. But then we saw California's 25th district, and it was mostly mail-in vote, and the Republicans absolutely crushed. Turns out young people still don't vote, even if you give them the ballot which is kind of hilarious, which leaves us now with the more serious question. Well, I was absolutely wrong on this. The question now comes up of voter fraud, and we actually have what appears to be mail-in voter fraud popping up. The next thing I want to show you, NorthJersey.com. New Jersey primary election will be held mostly by mail. Governor Murphy says May 15th, 2020. New Jersey will conduct its July presidential primary election using primary mail-in ballots. Governor Phil Murphy announced Friday. The South Jersey area is part of the Philadelphia metro where this judge lived. So you've got problems here, man. If they're going to do a primary, I mean, I'm not sure if it really matters they're doing a Democratic primary because Joe Biden is supposed to be the nominee. But we'll see what happens at the convention if they actually choose Joe Biden. 
there's still the potential that the vote can be swung. And there's a potential of corruption in the Philadelphia area, which does include parts of South Jersey. I have to wonder then if this is the right move. Well, now we can see evidence that it may in fact be the wrong move. Corruption allegations keep growing in Patterson vote by mail election. This story is actually actually predates the statement by the governor, which I find interesting. Their actual concerns about voter fraud and the governor just says, yeah, we're going to go with it anyway. Check out this story from NBC for New York. One woman said there are eight relatives and immediate neighbors she knows of listed as having voted, but who insist they never even received ballots, including one relative who says she has been she, she has been in Florida for weeks. Numerous residents are now complaining that they never received or sent in vote by mail ballots, even though Passaic County Board of Elections records show a ballot in their name was mailed in. Ramona Javier Javier made the exact complaint from her front stoop along Chestnut Street. We did not receive vote by mail ballots, and thus we did not vote, she said in Spanish. When she was shown an official list of some of the people who voted on her block and that her name was on that list, Javier said, this is corruption. This is fraud. Let me stop you right there, everybody. Let me stop you right there. What was that, Chris Wallace? The Hill reports Chris Wallace debunks Trump. No record of massive or serious voter fraud from mail-in voting. Interesting. Well, I'd like you to talk to this woman, Ramona Javier, and ask her if she has seen evidence of voter fraud with vote, you know, vote by mail. Looks like it is. Now you can argue Chris Wallace said no serious or, you know, widespread, but that still doesn't doesn't take into account you're, you're minimizing complaints of fraud and you're getting very specific when you don't need to. If someone says there is a threat of voter fraud with mail in mail in ballots, well, then we look into it. And if someone lost their vote, someone didn't get to vote. I think that person has a right to challenge this. And that means there is fraud and it matters. If one vote is stolen, that's the rights of one person, their right to vote. You take that away from them. We can't stand for that. Take a look at the story. Javier said that there are eight relatives and immediate neighbors she knows of listed as having voted, but who insist they never even received ballots, including one relative who she says has been in Florida for weeks. The local councilman, Louis Velez, said he knows of dozens additional of, of a dozen additional cases just like these across his ward. Where is the democracy in this? Where is the fair process? This is North Jersey. I mean, this is mostly a blue area. This is Democrat. Questions of corruption continue to grow about the vote by mail elections across Patterson, New Jersey's third largest city. Videos of videos are surfacing online of a single voter carrying numerous ballots. Postal workers were seen leaving some ballots sitting out in building lobbies, and hundreds of filled out ballots were found by postal workers in in single mailboxes in Patterson, suggesting a possible vote bundling operation, which election experts say is a crime. In one case, Officials said more than 300 Patterson city ballots were found in a single mailbox in an entirely different town, Halliden. That's got to raise some questions about voter fraud, right? This is the problem with mail-in voting. It's not what it, look, we can stop before we get to accusations of crimes and just say it's we, we can't prove it. So I'll tell you the Democrats, to the, to the Democrats who are arguing for mail-in voting, let me just tell you, you realize that Republicans can raise red flags and undermine the legitimacy of the vote, if it is legit, right? Think about it this way. Let's say all these votes are real and they're all done properly. Well, now people are noticing that too many ballots showed up, ballots showed up in one place and that gives Republicans the opportunity to challenge it. You wouldn't want that, would you? Well, then we shouldn't give them the opportunity. Now, Republicans, you can easily see there's potential for fraud here 
because all of these votes are popping up in one place in a different town. It shouldn't make sense. I think there's a good reason for both sides to say this presents serious problems. Now, they argue Donald Trump voted uh, absentee and therefore vote by mail must be safe, even though, you know, oh, but Donald Trump's a hypocrite, they say. I'm sorry. Listen, special circumstances for absentee ballots, I think, is, is fine. It makes sense. But we still do have a problem with voter fraud. Just because Trump voted by it, you know, voted with it doesn't mean it's wrong. Maybe we need much more serious security. The problem arises with widespread mail-in voting when everyone is doing it. Then you can't track where the ballots are coming or going from. If a mail person is just going to come and pick them up and grab one ballot at a time, it's very easy for one corrupt individual to offer a stack of cash to some low-level postal worker. And they say, just put this in your truck. Not only that, Someone could just walk in and drop them off at a, at, a, at a post office and say, here are the ballots. And they will not even know where they came from. Let's read a little bit more. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy did not address the specific problems boiling for days in Patterson during his coronavirus news briefing Wednesday. But when asked about possible corruption issues with the vote by mail elections across the state, Murphy said, it is too early to give you a full answer. Yet two days later, he said, New Jersey primary election will be held by mail. Even though you are getting questions about the fraud in your state, people are upset. They're calling it outright corruption. Feel bad. These these big wigs, you know, this governor, he's not going to do anything for you. And that's why I'm, I'm upset living here. But don't, but don't worry, Murphy. Don't worry. I'm going to leave. OK, I won't I won't get in your way. I won't get in your hair. I'm just going to leave and you can have your state and do what you want. I do feel bad. Maybe I should. Maybe I should stay. Then I can actually vote and vote people like this out. I don't want to deal with it. I'm sorry. This state has too many problems. For those that aren't familiar, I live in the South Jersey area. Election officials have set aside more than 800 ballots so far amid corruption concerns in Patterson. One candidate, Ramon Joaquin, said the Board of Elections was not being transparent about how officials were deciding to eliminate votes. The 800 votes should be counted or the names of the people whose votes were suppressed should be released. And there is another point for why Democrats should be opposing this. Think about what happens if you have a Republican district. This should be a bipartisan effort. We can't allow this. We need election security. You get some guy with Republican sympathies and he can say, we're going to remove this ballot because it's questionable. And there you go. Now the vote can swing in the other direction. Now, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. The reality is a Democrat or Republican could both be doing this. That judge happened to have been favoring Democrats. But who knows? Seems like he just wanted the money. Someone could have paid him off and he could have just flipped it for the Republicans, I guess. But we can't have elections by the highest bidder. Now, what's happening here? Let me read a little bit more. Actually, this is important. Pedersen Mayor Andre Seya has voiced concern ballot stealing operations may have been underway in some wards. And he said so-called ballot stuffing appeared to be a big problem. The mayor called on law enforcement authorities to investigate. Also calling for a criminal investigation was council candidate Frank Filippelli. He said he was also aware of voting problems he believed were criminal across the city. State Attorney General Gerbier Grewal has declined repeated requests, re- repeated requests from WNBC for an interview to answer questions about voting problems in Patterson or to explain what his office is doing about the complaints. In a press conference last year at Patterson City Hall, Gruel acknowledged his office was off to a slow start in investigating various corruption allegations across the state. So I'm done with this place, man. I don't want to live here. There should be no reason that th- there's a, there, it should be no reason this isn't a bipartisan uh, effort. Now, take a look at these other stories. South Carolina, absentee ballots found in Baltimore. Elections official blame printer. Excuse me? How do you accidentally send South Carolina absentee ballots to Baltimore? That doesn't seem right. That seems very strange. 
It seems like even if this was just a big old accident, we've got a serious case of insecurity. How can we spend four or five years complaining about interference from foreign governments and then not take this more seriously and secure our elections? I'm sorry, Democrats, you've got no real argument when it comes to voter ID. You really, really don't. If I got to use my ID to go to the movies, and I do, surprisingly, even though I'm 34, sometimes, yeah, they've they asked for my IDs, usually when I clean shave, which I don't really do all that often. If I, gotta, if I need an ID to buy booze, come on, you got to have an ID to vote, right? I walk into my polling location and I say, here's my name. You got to prove who you are. There's also the issue of voter roll purges. Democrats argue that Republicans are trying to remove people from the voter rolls so that they can stop them from voting. That's a really good complaint. And perhaps it's true. There's another problem. People who, who aren't living in these states anymore having casted ballots. You can take a look at what happens in Patterson. If these people are saying their votes were cast and they, and they, and they, and they weren't the ones who did it, what happens if someone moves, like this woman who said she was in Florida, and then someone votes using her name? If I move to a different state and someone in a certain area votes for me using my information, that's, that's how they get away with, with stuffing the ballots because there's, I'm not going to be there to, com- to complain about it. We do have another story in Nevada. Nevada's vote by mail primary stirs fraud concerns as unclaimed ballots pile up. Something stinks here. I'm sorry, man. Democrats, you really don't have an argument uh, for this. And I don't understand because all arguments point to why Democrats should be in favor of securing these mail-in ballots, especially when they led the charge against the voter interference. We got to secure our ballots, man. There's one, there's one other big issue that comes up in all of this, and it's ballot harvesting. People often bring this up when I mention, you know, the Republicans won in California's 25th, showing that, you know, whether it's mail-in or in-person doesn't really matter, but there is fraud concerns. And a lot of people have brought up uh, ballot harvesting. So let's, let's do this. I'm going to show you this article from Fox News so you can get a better understanding of what ballot harvesting is. I know a lot of people don't like Fox News. Well, I don't know what to tell you. They're the ones who are actually bringing up what it does. Consider what I've shown you already with three different instances of voter, uh, of, of potential mail-in voter fraud, and then one story in South Philly of overt federal, state, local, primary, uh, and primary voter fraud outright, a guy taking bribes to do this. I don't know what the answer is to securing our elections better. I don't. I do know that I think we need to. So what is the argument from Democrats? You want mail-in voting? Okay, then we need to have very, very serious and secure pickup locations. It cannot be through the post office. Let's be honest. We would need something like a, a local independent board of a large group of people to go around collecting the ballots at the same time on camera and then putting them all in a bin and the cameras live on them the entire time. I mean, maybe we should just live stream ballot collection, period. Let's take a look real quick. I'll, I'll wrap up by showing you what ballot harvesting, ballot harvesting is and why this is considered to be somewhat nefarious, depending on who you ask. Fox says, ballot harvesting or the practice of allowing political operatives and others to collect voters' ballots and turn them in en masse to polling stations has drawn bipartisan concerns of fraud from election watchers. S- several states have enacted some restrictions on the practice, while others have expressly allowed it or failed to regulate it at all. According to a 2019 analysis by Ballotpedia, 24 states in the District of Columbia permit someone chosen by the voter to return mail ballots on their own, with nine of those states adding some specific exceptions. Twelve states outline who specifically can return ballots, i.e. family members or caregivers, and one state explicitly requires only voters can return their ballots. Eleven states establish a limit on the number of ballots that a so-called harvester can return. 
Imposing restrictions on the practice has led to legal challenges. In Arizona, a federal appeals court upheld a ballot harvesting prohibition, despite a claim that it unfairly discriminated against minorities who might need help filling out their ballots. I'm going to stop you right there. The go-to seems to be voter ID. It's racist. Ballot harvesting. It's, uh, you know, blocking ballot harvesting is racist. I'm sorry, man. If someone doesn't have the, the knowledge or the ability to do so, then they shouldn't do so. That's just it. If you can't prove who you are, then you can't vote. I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to vote, but I'm confident most people have the ability to get an ID. I mean, how do you get a job otherwise? We then also have, when it comes to ballot harvesting, arguing that a minority might not be smart enough. I'm sorry, that's overtly racist. We can't make assumptions about minorities' abilities or intelligence to fill this stuff out. If they want to vote, they can show up and then they can vote. Look, we we face real challenges, right? But you're not going to convince me, a moderate, independent type voter, who to vote for by telling me that minorities aren't smart enough to do it. It doesn't work that way. You you can argue safety. That's fine. But I'll tell you what, when I go to Walmart, you know, when I go to to these big box stores, Costco or whatever, and everybody's just going about their business, you're not going to convince me that people can't just go vote. I understand voting is more people. And so there's closer proximity and this will take longer, a longer amount of time. But I don't think having insecure ballots or elections makes sense at all. This tends to be the argument from the left. And I'm sorry, I don't buy it. And I'm, I'm someone who's been begging for a Democrat to vote for. But if the only thing they can offer up is changing the rules, then you don't deserve to win. Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm biased, but I'll leave it there. Let me know what you think. I think I've shown you plenty of examples of mail-in voter fraud, which should raise some concerns for everyone. I mean, ballot harvesting seems to raise concerns for everybody, too. Republicans and Democrats can both do it. Let me know what you think about that, that uh, uh, Philly judge. That's a real example of a Democrat getting caught stuffing the ballot in several elections. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastnews. It is a different channel, and I will see you all then. A church that was resisting coronavirus restrictions has burned to the ground, and someone spray-painted, bet you stay home now, you hypocrites. That was written in the parking lot of a church that had sued the city over its public health orders. Now, in Mississippi, churches, according to this article, were essential. They were still allowed to gather. They said to abide by certain rules. I want to be very careful on this story. A lot of people have pointed out that it's very convenient that somebody wrote hypocrites, spelled it wrong, and it's kind of weird that they would write anything at all. I get it. Maybe it's real. But look, man, we've had a lot of MAGA country incidents. There was that dude who had the pizza shop and the ice cream shop or whatever, and he vandalized his own place and spray painted it. And we see this kind of thing too often where when someone gets targeted, they will make sure they write a message so that we all know exactly why this happened. Now, of course, it could be for sure that somebody who didn't want the churches to be worshiping because of social distancing burned it to the ground. It could also be, you know, somebody, I don't know, insurance money or something. I don't know. I really don't. I really don't. And it's unfortunate that because of the Jussie Smollett kind of people out there and the wave of hoaxes we've seen that I have to even question it. But I want to show you something else. In my area, there is a gym called uh, Atlas Gym. What you're seeing right here is a message from the Camden County prosecutor. I want to talk about how serious things are getting. Maybe Boogaloo, maybe not. Um, I think the church being burned down, regardless of whether or not it was, a, it was actual arson or was it insurance fraud or whoever, it doesn't matter. The fact is it was burned down and it, send a, it sends a message regardless of what the reason was. But over at this gym, they've been opening in defiance and I've got some crazy updates. I went down and checked it out, took some, took some photos, and I talked to some, uh, a, a local woman. She told us what happened, and it sounds pretty, pretty nefarious. There may be, at least it sounds like, government sabotage. 
This gym refused to stay closed. The city started issuing citations, even arrested a guy who wouldn't identify himself. Then some weird stuff happened. The building apparently flooded. And then the health department came and shut him down over COVID. So there's the, I'll, go for, I'll, I'll go through what we were told. But uh, what you're seeing here, this message from the Camden County prosecutor is that they say you face up to six months in jail if you use this gym. That's where we're at right now. Why? First, let's talk about what happened in Mississippi, because this is the more pressing story. But I want to talk to you about some of these crazy stories that are happening in New Jersey, like people having their online businesses shut down. Why? Something doesn't make sense. But this is more, this is more pressing. We'll read this one first. NBC News reports, Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves said he is heartbroken and furious after a fire this week at a church that has challenged coronavirus restrictions. The fire is being investigated as arson. The fire Wednesday in Holly Springs destroyed the first Pentecostal church and investigators found graffiti in the church parking lot that reads, bet you stay home now, you hypocrites. The church was burned to the ground and had been trying to open services, Reeves tweeted Thursday. First uh, uh, Pentecostal filed a lawsuit last month against the city over its public health order on in-person worship services, the station reported. This is not who we are. The governor said at a daily news conference on the coronavirus epidemic and the state's response. Obviously, we have to ensure that this investigation is done, uh, that this investigation is done and that it is completed. But if this is, in fact, what it looks like, I want you to know that we're going to do everything in our power to find whomever burned this church down. Stephen Crampton, attorney for the church, told WMC that he has no doubt that the fire was connected to the lawsuit. To find that graffiti is spray painted in there. I bet you stay home now, you hypocrites. Right. Seems very clearly directed at this particular lawsuit and the church's stand for its own constitutional rights, he said. The lawsuit deals with alleged police disruption of a Bible study and Easter service. Holly Springs City Attorney Shirley Byers said the church was issued a violation on April 10th after about 40 people had gathered inside and were not social distancing. The city amended its local order in late April to allow drive through church services. The lawsuit says social distancing is practiced inside and that services are held indoor only when weather prohibits outdoor services. Reeves has never uh, has never outright prohibited worship services and has classified places like churches as essential in stay at home orders. So I have to wonder, this doesn't sound like a, a state where everything was locked down. Churches weren't allowed to gather and then people showed up causing a huge ruckus. This is a church where they they were deemed essential. And we're just told to social distance. There was a lawsuit. And then to see the graffiti, man, I got I to gotta admit, I'm doubtful. I really am. But you know what? It's, it's the best you can be, I suppose, if it turns out it actually was arson. Well, there's an investigation underway and we'll hopefully find out who did this and why. And if it turns out to be a false flag kind of thing, well, then hopefully we find out. Earlier this week, Reeves uh, released guidance on resuming in-person faith gatherings, which include cleaning and disinfection holding separate services for vulnerable populations and creating a six foot buffer between household groups. Holly Springs is a community of around 7,600 in the northern part of the state near Tennessee border, a little more than 40 miles southeast of Memphis. Mississippi has begun reopening other parts of its economy and activities. On Tuesday, Reeves signed an order allowing places that include tattoo parlors and dance studios to reopen. As of the end of business day Wednesday, Mississippi had a confirmed 12,222 COVID cases and had 580 deaths. Let's move on to the next story. Adelis Jim. I wanted to highlight the church because it's probably the freakiest. If this really is someone burning this down and we have seen people on Twitter cheering for this, we have seen people calling for this. That's why I could believe it. 
But we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, I want to be careful on this one. You don't want to ru- rush out and find yourself. Yeah, I mean, look at all the people who, who, who cheered and celebrated, you know, or, or I, I, that's the wrong way of phrasing it. All the people who held up banners and did these photo shoots like Jesse Smollett, oh, we believe in you and stuff like that. And then look where they were standing when, you know, the story broke and we figured out what really happened. Right. We don't want to be in that situation. So we'll wait for this one. But this story to me and what's happening in New Jersey. Oh, boy, it's freaky. Atlas Gym in Belmar closed by state health department after reopening against Governor Murphy's orders. You can see your photo. It says notice of embargo slapped on the front of the gym. Well, like I said, I went down there. I have this. Uh, this is a message from the Camden County prosecutor. We have this photo here of, you know, the Gadsden flag. We support you. People, uh, people putting up signs. And then we can say uh, this. This is this is great. It says attention, all enforcement officials. Please call the front desk before entering unless you have a warrant. I really like that. Uh, that statement. But on the front door, the Camden County prosecutor says that it's a I think a thousand dollar fine or up to six months in jail for using this gym. But let's talk about some of the other stories real quick, and then we'll read this one. Apparently, somebody was charged with organizing a protest here, which is insane. There's a story of a a woman in North Jersey I covered yesterday. Her business was closed. So she started a Facebook live stream where she was showing the products she had in her store and said, you can buy them online. The police actually showed up and told her she had to close. And she goes, we are closed. Can't you read the sign in the door? And they were like, no, you're, you're live online. Well, hold on a second. I thought uh, you could still sell things online, you know, like Amazon does, like Best Buy, like Walmart. People are still delivering products. And the crazy thing about all of this, especially Atlas Gym, is the gym is part of a large building that includes a Dollar General. And while we, I was standing there yesterday, as you know, the doors are closed and you can't go in, you look literally 20 feet away and there's people coming in and out of the store. It makes no sense. You have massive foot traffic, substantially more foot traffic at the supermarket than you do at the gym. The gym had only a few people who were going to exercise, and they had a bunch of rules on the, on the walls and windows about social distancing. A woman there told us another story, and then I'll get to the crazy government sabotage part. So there's a woman there, and she's protesting, and uh, you know, she told us what was going on from her perspective, and you know, Trump supporter. We'll leave it at that. She said there was a woman who was selling gift certificates online for her salon because what else she could do. It's actually really clever. I can't open right now, but if I sell gift certificates then people can come redeem them later, makes sense, right? She got shut down too. I'm sorry, man. This says to me, it is not about some kind of safety quarantine or anything like that. I don't know what it's about. I I have no idea why they're doing this, but I'll tell you what, if a woman can't go on Facebook live and, and show her products and sell them online, that, then what does that have to do with keeping people safe? No one's in her store. It was just online, uh, online sale and delivery. And they shut up at night saying, you got to close. Amazon doesn't have to close. Isn't that weird? Here's what we were told outside the building. I saw a news report the other day that said the building had been flooded, like the bathrooms had flooded, water came up from the toilets, and they had to co- have a cleaning crew come in and clean everything. So it was probably sewage. They said they found the, 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 the plumbers, I guess, or the cleaners or whatever, to- uh, paper towels in the plumbing. But they said they don't have paper towels in their bathrooms, so they don't know how they got in. Not, not to mention, they're, they're, you know, they're, they did reopen, but it's not like people were flocking to their gym to work out. You know, for the most part, they're, they're, they're you know, literally open, but not really open, right? So who went in and shoved toilet, you know, paper towels in their toilets? And then the health department shows up and shuts them down, and citing COVID and stuff. And the owners asked, they weren't even in the building. So here's what we were told. 
This lady said to us the other day that there was for one, some like Antifa guy showed up and started calling everyone Nazis and screaming at him, which was, which was funny and weird. But she also said there, so uh, the way the building is, is shaped, there's a road that goes uh, from, from if, if you're standing in front of the building to the right side, there's a path that goes around the back and loops around the whole building, which includes the Dollar General. Behind that is a cemetery. So there's nothing. It's like this just alleyway, right? She told us that the other day, somebody, some woman claimed there were ducks stuck in a drain or something. And then they all went to like try and help or something like that. And that the police blocked off this road that leads to just this one path behind the building. And then the next day, the drain behind the building has its cover removed. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I don't know if the cover was actually removed. I can say I went behind the building and saw the drain did not have a cover. And then I guess she was saying that, I don't know if she was saying that's where the paper towels were found or the drain cover was missing. Maybe it was ducks. But I'll tell you what, Occam's razor, man, simple solutions. Is it a coincidence that ducks just happened to fall into this tiny drain behind a gym that was defying government order? Or is it government sabotage? I don't know, man. I don't know which is a simple solution. But I'll tell you what, when the governor himself threatens this gym saying you got to shut down, yeah, raises some questions about the length they, the, you know, the lengths they'd be willing to go to actually shut down these local businesses. I mean, like I said, uh, you know, cops showing up to a Facebook Live closed business, something ain't right. Something is not right. I don't know what to tell you, man. You know, people want to get conspiratorial. I, 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 all I can say is I don't know. What I can say for sure is shutting down a salon selling gift cards, shutting down a lady posting things online has nothing to do with coronavirus. No one's going to get sick watching a video on the internet. Makes no sense. Now, the gym, I understand. And I don't know if anybody sabotaged anything, but apparently they said they found paper towels and there's speculation that it was sabotage. But why are they threatening these people with jail time? And more importantly, on the front of the gym, they have the 14th Amendment. The government can't deprive you of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness without due process, which is what they're doing right now to everyone. And they're citing this emergency order. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like it. Well, let's, let's, let's get to the specifics from the Philadelphia Inquirer. They say Atlas Gym in Belmar closed by state health department after reopening against Governor Murphy's orders. The story says the New Jersey Department of Health closed Atlas Gym in Belmar indefinitely on Thursday after it reopened in uh, this week in defiance of the government uh, of the coronavirus shutdown orders. Quote, although Atlas is purporting to take its own measures to address COVID-19 transmission, these particular measures do not sufficiently address the risks, read the order signed Wednesday by the state health commissioner, Judith uh, Persichilli, and, uh, and left at the gym. On Thursday morning, gym owners Ian Smith and Frank Trembetti posted a video to Facebook and Instagram showing them arriving to find the notice on the door. In the clip, one of the owners calls the signs an example of Governor Murphy's dirty tricks playing with his power in the health department. In a previous social media post, they discussed a sewage problem that occurred at the gym late Wednesday and later suggested the shutdown was somehow related to that issue. Uh, in the Department of Health notice, there was no mention of sewage. Hours after the, after the discovery of the notice, Smith appeared on Fox News to discuss what he called a government scare tactic. This is just a bump in the road for us, he said. Murphy does not have the legal precedent to shut us down, so he's resorted to calling in the health department. However, all of these messages put here on the wall from the health department were put on without them ever stepping inside to take a look at the facilities. The owner said the gym would be closed Thursday, and planned to reopen Friday. A cleaning crew was working on the property, they said. A Department of Health spokesperson responded to a reporter's question with a copy of the order, which said the gym must remain closed to all, including members, until further notice. If Atlas doesn't comply, 
it would be subject to criminal and civil sanctions, the order states. Several gyms across the Philadelphia region have moved to reopen. So, so we're in South Jersey, which is just across the bridge from Philadelphia, just so you understand. The move by Atlas was the most high profile. Its owners were interviewed several times on Fox News and became champions of protesters who say state governments were overreach, uh, have overreached and infringed on their freedoms with non-essential business closures. On Thursday, Smith also addressed a photo circulating on the internet, which showed him using a megaphone with a sticker supporting the New Jersey European Heritage Association, a white supremacist organization. Smith said on Facebook that he has no connection to the group and that he was handed the megaphone to use briefly and didn't see the sticker. There was a flyer put up <clears throat> in the parking lot. I don't think it has anything to do with this group. I think these are sabotage tactics, if you were to ask me. There was some ridiculous sign talking about Western men. And if you were to ask me, it's the easiest way to target a small business that is relatively apolitical. I asked if these guys, if, any, if, the, if the people there knew if these guys were like political or Trump supporters, and I was told no idea. Don't think so just a couple, uh, a couple of gym owners. And then as we were leaving in the parking lot, we see this flyer put up on this poll about white supremacy or something. And I have to wonder, because that's the easiest way. It's, 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 it's insane the lengths people would go to try and discredit us. I have to ask, I have to ask, you know, when, when dealing with Occam's razor, what is the simple solution? Would a white supremacy group just randomly show up and then start putting stickers and flyers up? That makes no sense. Why would they show up to a gym that has nothing to do with them? It is absolutely not. It's possible, entirely possible. They want to piggyback on this. But you also have the, you know, the belligerents, I would say, the adversaries here are the gym owners and the government. It makes no sense for a white supremacy organization to show up, start putting these stickers up. That to me seems very, very strange. And when we're dealing, you know, we're dealing with this, these kind of, this kind of sabotage, it's really interesting. Take a look at this. Yesterday, rumors started circulating around social media that I was a white nationalist, he said on Facebook. These rumors are entirely false and based off of one photograph of me holding a megaphone while addressing the crowd. That megaphone was handed to me and on it was a sticker that before yesterday I'd never seen. In no way would I ever support any group linked to hate or racism of any kind. That is not my message, nor has it ever been. Public health experts say indoor facilities like gyms make perfect breeding grounds for the contagious virus that we understand. Isn't it strange? Isn't it strange that these, this white supremacy thing pops up? So I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I can't allege any conspiracies because I just don't know. It's possible someone just showed up and put a sticker on the wall. Somebody wanted to take advantage of the press. To me, that seems to make no sense because I've been to a lot of protests and I've never seen anything like this. It's very, very strange to say the least. But take a look at that first story I brought up with the Mississippi church. It's possible we're dealing with multiple acts of sabotage. Maybe it's not even government. It could just be Antifa doing, doing a false flag. We, we've seen uh, questionable photos of nurses that people claim are staged. There was somebody who showed up to that event screaming that they were all Nazis. Strange, isn't it? I don't know. That's all I can really say. Someone shows up screaming they're Nazis. They say, no, we're not. And then all of a sudden these stickers pop up for, for you know, white supremacy or something. They say when the gym opened Monday, police initially informed the owners and supporters that they were violating Murphy's order, but left without taking action. By Tuesday, however, authorities began cracking down, citing the owners and arresting a member who refused to give police his name. On Thursday, the owners and their attorneys suggested to Fox News that the sewage issue was linked to state efforts to shut them down, saying, uh, here's a quote, Governor Murphy addressed in a news conference yesterday. He was, he was going to be enforcing some restrictions on us with the health department, Smith said. We are looking into what happened yesterday. Less than an hour after his news conference, our toilets were backed up. But who is using the toilets is the question I have, because yes, they're technically open, right? But no one's there. 
They say it was not immediately clear what ramifications the gym or its owners would face if they defy the, the Department of Health order. Quote, uh, uh, the Camden County freehold, uh, freeholder director, Louis, uh, Louis Campelli Jr., said public health remains paramount despite hardships businesses have faced. He urged businesses to follow officials' guidance on reopening. The situation in Belmar has not followed the path, uh, that path th- thus far and introduces a risk into, into our community that we cannot afford, Capelli said. I am hopeful that this situation can be resolved cooperatively and that the gym will be able to welcome back their patrons when and only when it has been, been deemed safe to do so by the state of New Jersey. All right, I'll tell you what. We got weird problems. South Dakota and Florida, the best examples, no big outbreak. New York, yeah, they got an outbreak. New Jersey is affected because of the New York Metro. But Andrew, uh, Andrew Cuomo was directing nursing homes to take in COVID patients. It sounds like it's their own ineptitude. And now they're taking it on small businesses. At the very worst case scenario, there could be actual sabotage from people trying to shut down this business. Look, man, I can't tell you why they're doing it. Some people have speculated it's an attempt to jam up the economy to hurt Trump. That would be weird to have all of these Democratic governors doing this. I don't I don't buy it. But it is strange they're doing this because there's no real reason to shut down online businesses either. I can understand them wanting to make sure, you know, it's like a broken windows kind of theory. If this gym opens, then everyone will open and then they can't shut anybody down. If if one person shows up to a beach, they can, you know, remove them. If a thousand, they can't do anything. So that could be why they're freaking out as much as they are. But I'll leave it there, man. I'll tell you what, I don't care. I don't like it. I'm getting out of New Jersey. End of story. This is very, very close to me. I'm not playing any games with this. I'll set my business up elsewhere. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. With Joe Biden, you get two options. Completely incoherent psychobabble or extremely offensive, ridiculous speech. It seems like the only thing you'll see come out of his mouth is either going to be something that makes no sense or something that makes you really angry. Here's the story that's going viral. In an interview with Charlemagne the God on The Breakfast Club, Joe Biden says black voters ain't black if they're considering Trump which is weird because, well, first, Joe Biden, you got no pl- no place to speak on this. I don't know what you were thinking when you decided to say this, but there is a very large faction of people who are voting for Donald Trump who are black, not to mention you've got high profile celebrities like Kanye West, who clearly supports Donald Trump. You see, Joe Biden's got some serious problems, man. Joe Biden is mumbling half the time. He's forgetting where he is most of the time. One time it looked like he even fell asleep on camera. And finally, when he is co- when, when he is actually lucid enough to speak, he says something that just makes everybody angry. And it's like so many of the speeches he's given where he talks about, you know, the, in, in the pool where the kid's rubbing his legs. It's like, dude, when you actually make sense, nobody wants you to. I pre- I'm sure the Democratic Party would prefer if instead of saying what Joe Biden just said, he went, well, oh, you know, and, and the thing with the, the fence and uh, you, you ask me. They would rather he, he just do the, the elderly sunsetting mumble than actually say what he said. Because now you got a big wave of backlash. Let's read through the story. The New York Times reporting this. That's how you know it's getting out of hand. Biden says black voters ain't black if they're considering Trump. The former vice president ignited controversy in a testy exchange in a radio interview with Charlemagne the God on The Breakfast Club. Democrats, you're supposed to keep Joe Biden in the basement. He's supposed to be hidden, Remember? That's what they've been saying the whole time. Joe Biden's invisible campaign, Joe Biden's hidden campaign. The goal was to get him off camera. They've been ragging on Trump saying he's, he's setting himself on fire. He's burning his own campaign down. Keep Joe Biden hidden. 
Well, this is you get what you deserve when you put Joe Biden front and center. I'll tell you what. Let's read the story. From Asted W. Herdman, former Vice President Joseph R. Biden Jr., the apparent Democratic presidential nominee, outlined a slate of economic proposals Friday in a new interview, but also ignited controversy by telling a radio host that black voters torn between voting for him and President Trump ain't black. In an interview with CNBC, Mr. Biden pledged Friday that he would repeal the tax cuts signed by the president in 2017 and raise the corporate tax rate, and that he would not raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 as he seeks to outline his plan for, Ameri- for American economic recovery in the wake of the global coronavirus pandemic. Mr. Biden gave some of his most detailed explanations of his economic policy. He rejected the idea that he would govern as an economic progressive, saying, I have a record of over 40 years and I'm going to be Joe Biden. Look at my record. But it was his comments at the end of a testy exchange with Charlemagne the God, a host on The Breakfast Club, a nationally syndicated morning show popular with black millennials that has dominated the conversation online. In the interview, during which the former vice president sidestepped a question about marijuana legalization and his running mate selection, Mr. Biden also made clear that he felt there was no reason black Americans would consider voting for Mr. Trump. Quote, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black, Mr. Biden said. And everybody got really mad at that. Uh, here's what they say. The remarks sparked immediate pushback on social media with activists and conservatives jumping on Mr. Biden, 77, for acting as the arbiter of blackness. His words also exposed wounds among Democrats that date to 2016, when many leaders felt the party took black voters for granted. Now, first and foremost, I roll my eyes at all of the white conservatives who are who are posting tweets like, oh, you know, Joe Biden, look what he just did. But I, but it, it, I get it. I get it. Feel free to criticize the guy. This is an interview with Charlemagne the God. And I think if you if you know the people who can question what Joe Biden is saying, it's going to be the black community. So, you know, Joe Biden wants to say something. I'm not going to pretend like I'm, I'm, I'm offended on their behalf. I can certainly imagine how I would feel if Joe Biden made a comment about my heritage and my, and my family's race and what we were supposed to believe. I take offense to it. But I think a lot of conservatives are highlighting this because it's a view. It's like a double standard. Joe Biden, you, 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 you can't be doing this. But I guess Joe just doesn't really know what he's doing in the first place, let alone half the time he doesn't know where he is. In another part of the interview, Mr. Biden assured the radio host that he intended to inspire black voters in the general election using the appeal that worked for him in the Democratic primary. Mr. Biden said black voters knew him and his record and would value his close kinship with former President Barack Obama. On Friday morning during the interview with CNBC, Biden said he would raise the corporate tax rate to 28 percent, blah, blah. You know, I I got to be honest, New York Times, I don't know what this has to do with the controversy, but I appreciate you mentioning Joe Biden's tax proposals. Here's what he says, though. This is, we're going we're gonna to deviate now into some tax nonsense because the New York Times is. But I got, I got more. I got, we, we got some spin coming out to protect Biden. Here's what he says. Quote, uh, they say he sidestepped a question on whether the large conglomerate should be broken up, Amazon, but said, I think Amazon should start paying their taxes. I don't think any company, I don't give a damn how big they are. Lord Almighty should absolutely be in a position where they pay no tax. Amazon pays its taxes. This idea that the government sent a tax bill to Amazon and Amazon's like, we ain't paying it is nonsense. The, the, you, you, what, what they want to do with Amazon taxes makes no sense because Amazon is just adhering to the law. If you want to change the law, you change the law. Maybe that's what he's trying to say. But he says paying their taxes to imply they're not paying the taxes they owe. They are. Even if they issue profits, taxes are paid out. It could. I don't know exactly what the circumstances with Amazon, but I think it's because 
at the end of the year, they pay out profits or whatever. So there's no leftover, you know, uh, net like profit to, to be taxed. But then it gets taxed to the people it gets dished out to. And with incentives, the taxes are still paid. Not only that, Amazon absolutely is paying its employment tax, its state tax, its property taxes, all of those things get paid. What they're talking about specifically is tax on corporate profit, which they probably don't hold over. So I don't know. I think, I think it's just, I think it's just pandering. He continued, what's the capitalist system all about? The capitalist system is about everyone dealing fairly and dealing straight up with the American people and with their employees. The details come as Mr. Biden continues his transition from blah, blah, blah. I'm on, I'm sorry. I just don't really care about this. And now I don't know what, 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 okay, here we go. He's getting criticized by progressives. All right, let's move on from here. He might, he might have Miss Klobuchar as his, uh, his running mate, I guess. I don't think New York Times needed to fluff all that stuff in there. But now Senator Tim Scott slams Joe Biden for saying, if black people vote for Trump, you ain't black. It's a bold statement, Joe Biden. Let's see how it plays out. Republican South Carolina Senator Tim Scott reacted Friday morning to 2020 presidential candidate Joe Biden's comments that African-Americans still figuring out whether they're not whether or not they're voting for Trump or the former vice president ain't black. Quote, 1.3 million black Americans already voted for Trump in 2016. This morning, Joe Biden told every single one of us we ain't black. I'd say I'm surprised, but it's sadly par for the course for Democrats to take the black community for granted and browbeat those that don't agree. Did you know that in the past several months, there have been three separate polls, I think actually four now, showing that Donald Trump has dramatically improved the Republican Party's standing among the black community, mostly black, young black men. I think this may have to do with two very prominent personalities, Candace Owens, very, very famous, and Kanye West. And Kanye played, played a role in Candace, you know, kind of skyrocketing and becoming more and more prominent. The first thing, you know, first thing I always say is, if you want to ask me about my perspective on racial justice, social justice, as it pertains to my family, I got no problem talking about it. I can't talk to you about what the black community's experiences are or anything like that. I don't know. What I can tell you is that you do have very high profile members of the black community speaking up and saying they want Donald Trump. So it's, it's stupid to try and play this game. And it was a weird, weird thing for Joe Biden to say, I got I to gotta, I gotta tell you, why would Joe Biden think that would play well? Who, who told him something like this would be acceptable? It's, it's just outright weird. Maybe, look, the, the big problem I see with Democrats is they're very often pandering to people who are already going to vote for them. This is not something you say to somebody who is questioning whether or not they're going to vote, telling them they're not black because they're not, you know, 100% for you. You know, you got you to be calm and rational and say something like, if you haven't figured it out yet, check my record. I'm here for you. Let me, let me, you know, let me know what I can do to, 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 to help you out and, and you know, deliver what I need to deliver to your community. It's that simple. Instead, you come out with a negative, insult them. Yeah, flies and honey, man. They say Scott's tweet comes after Biden Friday morning's appearance at the Breakfast Club. We, we, we know all this. Charlemagne responded by saying, it don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact that I want something for my community, which is amazing that, that Joe Biden thought he could kind of make this, this move. It's all about Trump bad, orange man bad. That's everything. So you get Charlemagne the God asking a legitimate question. What are you going to do for my community? And Joe Biden says, well, then you must not be black if you don't vote for me. It's like, excuse me, bro. Like, are you nuts? So now we can see Simone Sanders is chiming in. Simone is the senior advisor for Joe Biden and a rabid feminist. Her words, not mine. And she issued a tweet, which is also getting dragged very, very heavily. She said, Vice President Biden spent his career fighting alongside and for the African-American community. He won his party's nomination by earning every vote 
and meeting people where, uh, where they are. And that's exactly what he intends to do this November. The comments made at the end of the Breakfast Club interview were in jest. But let's, and that's fair, to be honest. Come on, let's be, let's be real. But let's be clear about what the VP was saying. He was making the distinction that he would put his record with the African-American community up against Trump's any day, period. That doesn't mean anything to me uh, at all. And, 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 I'll, and I'll tell you what, first and foremost, it's all just tribal politics. It has nothing to do with anything. Joe Biden's not offering anything. I think it's just tribal BS. And this is what you can expect from everybody. Donald Trump had this big event and I, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was for the black it was it was for the black community. And he had a bunch of young black Trump supporters in the White House as he gave a speech and they all cheered for him. These people are real, man. You can't disregard people based on race like this. I'm gonna come out and say it. I mean, this is the presumption within Joe Biden's mind that brought him to the point where he thought he could say something like this, to me, signals racism. I want to be careful on this because I'm not I'm 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 never gonna be someone who's gonna pretend like I could speak up for what the black community is really looking for and whether or not they're offended by this. If they're offended by it, that's fine. I'll tell you this, though. I have no, you know, uh, uh, um, vicarious offense for the black community over this. I will say, though, it's not surprising to see Democrats trying to play this angle that they're the only ones who care. Nah, I'm not playing that. You guys entertained the weird racial politics of the social justice authoritarians, and you offered up nothing of, of substance in fact, it actually discredits the, the real arguments. When you, get, when you take someone like Serena Williams, who is worth millions of dollars and then claims she's an oppressed minority, I'm sorry, dude, you're losing me because I live in a community of people who live, you know, who are, who are around the median or below median who are mostly white people. I grew up on the South Side of Chicago, mostly white people, mostly poor. So you want to discredit them and act like the multimillionaires are the ones who are actually oppressed. That's the problem I find with things like what Joe Biden is saying. I think He's pandering to a base that has already decided they're going to vote for him. So it really doesn't make sense. That's what's, what's shocking to me. Like I said in the, in, the, in the beginning, man, they were trying to hide Joe Biden, and it's the best thing they could have done. This dude does not understand what's going on. They're really hoping for this anti-Trump sentiment to carry them. But when you generate anti-Biden sentiment, come on, man. 538 recently wrote an article. It said Democrats can't rely on anger this November, but that's their strategy. I'm not kidding. The Atlantic Rises article, which I highlighted, says Joe Biden stay alive. And that sums up what most of these people are thinking, that they would, they, you know, we had an article the other day, a woman said she would eat a boiled baby. Uh, I'm sorry. No, that's not what she said. She said, even if Joe Biden ate a boiled baby, she'd still vote for the guy. No. Okay. Just, just no. Your anger is not going to generate anything of substance. Charlemagne the God, much respect, came out and said it straight up. No, I want something for my community. Think about the mentality that's going through the minds of these Democrats where they think they can go on an interview with someone like Charlemagne the God and just say, orange man, bad, am I right? And they're like, no, don't patronize us. Give us real things we can talk about. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I've been saying. That's why I like, I like his retort when he said, I'm looking for something, something for my community. I've been begging the Democrats to give us something to actually argue about. What's your proposal? Oh, okay. He said, Amazon taxes. All right. Well, I argue that. I appreciate it. I really, really do. Thank you, Joe Biden, for actually bringing up a core issue we can all talk about. But when someone says, I got more questions for you, and your response is, if you don't vote for me, look at this, trending, Joe Biden racist. You ain't black, number one trend. This, is this for real? That's crazy. B.E. Joe Biden, Joe Biden is a racist trending. Yeah, man. He thought he could play this game. Man, 
I, I, it, it, look, I, I understand. I've said repeatedly, like, I won't be offended on their behalf. But trust me when I say, you know, I love people making up the meme where I say I'm mixed race and stuff. But this is why I bring it up. OK, what you got to understand is growing up in a family where we actually dealt with the policies of affirmative action and the rate and, and racism. We got I, I got to see it in, in, in a sense from like two different angles. The, the negative actions taken against my family due to affirmative action policy, as well as being targeted by overt racists. And I don't like any of it. I just want to grab these people who want to make everything about race and shake them and say, leave me alone. Leave my family alone. Now, I understand my experience is different from their experience. But when I hear Joe Biden say something like this, it's, dare I say, triggering. Now, look, I'm a calm, reasonable, reasonable rational person. I'm not going to freak out over this. But it is frustrating. And I'll tell you, when you grow up and you actually have issues where it's like you're, you're in a family where you're visibly not you know, uh, an all white family or not even that. It's not even we're not even all Latino. We're not even an all black family or an all Asian family. And when I try to explain to a lot of these people, the only real community I could muster up is the American community, because the people around me identify as Americans. And those are the people that treated us right, treated us well. We got along with we were friends. And guess what? It was ninety nine point nine percent of people. And that's what I loved. And when it came down to the people who wanted to make everything about race, they didn't treat us like people. They either, you know, poo pooed and like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. Or they were just outright like, well, you're white anyway. These are the experiences that I had with like Occupy Wall Street and these social justice type people. So I don't want to hear it, Joe Biden. Again, I, I can't be offended for them. But if you were going to come to me and I said something, you know, like, what are you going to do for my community? Then your, your answer should be a legitimate. You should have a legitimate answer. You want, you want to talk about uh, systemic racism, institutional racism in these things. They, they really do exist. They're, they're hyped up and exaggerated to stupid degrees by many of these SJW types. But there are real issues we can absolutely talk about that have lingering effects historically. And there's real ways to address these things. The best way to address them is by targeting poverty in general. That way, no one gets left behind because of race. And that's how you deal with the racist policies. When you get these people who make policies that are, are based on race, you exacerbate it. You make sure it keeps existing. And that's why I'm always telling people target poverty. You know why? If your concern is that poverty disproportionately targets people of certain races, it's simple. Just target the poverty because then you make sure that the poor white people, too, don't generate resentment and, and feel left out or left behind. A lot of people say, oh, but white privilege and all that stuff. I, look, man, you're not going to end racism by making laws based on race. You're going to exacerbate it. There's going to be, I'll tell you, because I grew up in these areas, man. There's going to be somebody who comes from a very disheveled, like just, just disheveled, dysfunctional, poor white family. And they're going to look around themselves and say, I see the benefits given to the other people in my neighborhood, but not to me. It's not fair. It's racist. So you do, you say poverty. That, that, then you get everybody in the, in the, uh, in the community can help be, can, can be uh, lifted up. So Stick Sex and Hammer, he's, he always seems to be in the responses whenever I see comments, and uh, I can respect that. I like Sticks. He said, no, he was claiming that you ain't black if you don't support him in the, in the election, and he was explicit about his belief. And if he had an R after his name, literally none of you people running damage control for him wouldn't be calling for his ousting from politics. That is spot on, Mr. Hexenhammer. Is Sticks the first name? I don't know. Mr. Sticks Hexenhammer. That's it. And we all know it. It's, it's the double standard in politics that I don't even need to bring up, to be honest. Joe Biden gets a free pass, but I don't think he's actually going to get a free pass when it comes to how people really feel. And this is what's being left out a lot of these left out of a lot of these uh, uh, election modeling systems. It's being left out, uh, left out of these polls and these conversations is how people really fear about these things outside of the pundit class. 
So you get a rapid response doctor. You get a spokesperson saying what Joe Biden really meant was, and clearly everyone supports it. You can say that. But what do you think people in this country, when they're sitting there and they hear that, what do you think they think? I don't know. Like I said, for the, for the, I think not like the eighth or ninth time, I can't speak for them. I'll tell you what I think. I think Joe Biden has no real answers. I think Joe Biden can't actually provide for a community that's looking for answers and solutions. I think Donald Trump has actively addressed this straight up. Donald Trump said, unemployment, we're going to get jobs in your community. We're going to focus on you over, over immig- immigrants. I mean, these things actually speak to these communities. And then you get Kanye West. Kanye West comes out and he's like, I get it. Now, Kanye wants to bring his factories here. He wants to bring jobs here. They get it. Now, you can argue that Trump's answer isn't perfect. It doesn't address systemic racism, institutional racism, all these other issues that these people may be asking about. But I'll tell you what, compare what Trump is saying to what Biden is saying. If Joe Biden thinks he's going to put his record up against Trump, by all means, go and do it. Trump said to the community, here's what I will do for you. Joe Biden said, vote for me or you're not black. I get it. I get it. This is a very reductive conversation. Joe Biden has certainly said other things, but Joe Biden is a creepy dude going to that pool and being like, the kids would rub my legs and then my hair. Like, I'm sorry, bro. I, I, I can't speak for anyone but myself, but that's creepy. And I'll tell you what we saw. All right. In the, uh, the Washington Post, they did the story about Trump Biden voters. And they said there is a group of people. It's about like 9% of Trump's base, I believe, that are actually progressively economic. Uh, they're economically progressive but they're socially conservative. They like traditional family values. Joe Biden does not inspire confidence in those in, in that kind of uh, mentality. That's why I'm not convinced. Now, look, to an extent, neither does Donald Trump. He's got multiple marriages, a bunch of different kids from different marriages. And he talks about, you know, he's lewd, crude dude. So there's gonna be a lot of people who are like, I want real traditional family values. That ain't it. They also want economic uh, progressive policies. But you look at Biden, what's he offering? He's not offering you progressive economic policies, and he's certainly not offering you traditional family values. He's just talking about kids rubbing his legs, and he's getting inappropriate with women. So I can't predict what's going to happen. I can tell you. Expect more of this. Joe Biden has to come out of hiding. He's got to debate Trump, and it's not going to be pretty. But I guess it will be funny. I guess it will be funny for a lot of people. Kind of sad for a lot of others. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up over at TimCast.net at 4 p.m. That will redirect you to another YouTube channel of mine. If you haven't subscribed, go subscribe there. Stick around. I will see you all at 4. Thanks for hanging out. A new study has come out from JP Morgan suggesting the lockdowns may have actually been bad. But before we get to that, something interesting happened. And I am proud to say I no longer have any fear of YouTube banning me because Dr. Fauci himself has come around saying staying closed too long could cause irreparable damage. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. Unfortunately for Dr. Fauci, it seems like his opinions bounce around too much. Early on, he said, don't wear a mask. Then he said, do wear a mask. Then he said, if we open too soon, it'll be, you know, pandemonium. Now he's saying, oh, if we stay too close too much. You know what, man? With all due respect, I like the guy, but it seems like he's just saying whatever the media is saying, like he doesn't really know. And that makes sense. Dr. Fauci only knows what the administration knows, and the administration says what they know, and the media reports it, and then the media reports it in their way, and then Fauci reports what everyone else already knows. Now, he's an expert, but there are a lot of other experts, too. And the other day, we saw a story about 600 doctors signing a letter to Trump saying it's time to reopen. Unsurprisingly, now Fauci himself is saying the same thing. So hopefully now YouTube gets it through their skull. But because YouTube is always late to the party, 
they're going to they're, they're still going to ban people, even though Fauci himself is saying we can't just stay closed. Stay at home orders intended to curb the spread of the coronavirus could end up causing irreparable damage if imposed for too long, says Fauci. I don't want people to think that any of us feel that staying locked down for a prolonged period of time is the way to go. Thank you. But take a look at this story. Maybe this is why Fauci is coming around. Many U.S. states have seen lower infection rates after ending lockdowns that are, to, are, that are now destroying millions of livelihoods worldwide, J.P. Morgan study claims. This aligns with another study we've already seen, that 66% of those getting infected were the ones staying home. And the people who actually went outside were less likely to get infected, dare I say, the lockdowns may have been a mistake. We acted out of an abundance of caution. I can respect that. We built major field hospitals around the country and we didn't use them. Maybe we overreacted. I'm totally fine with that. You know why? As I've explained before, I have seen people prepare for hurricanes and then the hurricane doesn't come. And I'm glad they prepared. But now there should be no excuse. While we can entertain the, the, the reality of what happened and maybe we, don't, we, went a little, we went a little overboard, I'm cool with it. And now we can say, well, now we know better, right? Excellent. Now we can start to reopen things. Fauci's on board. I'm actually really happy for this because I was really worried the breakdown was coming and people were going to fight and stuff. We'll see how the tribalists handle this because it's going to be weird. I mean, if, if you're a Trump supporter and you've been calling for reopening, you must feel pretty uh, well vindicated at this point. But the people who have been adamantly saying we must remain closed, what are you going to say now? Even Fauci is saying we can't stay closed too long. Now you've got no position other than I guess we'll agree with Trump. Here's the story from JP Morgan. Coronavirus lockdowns have destroyed millions of livelihoods, but failed to alter the course of the pandemic, given many U.S. states have seen lower infection rates after easing restrictions. The statistical analysis has raised questions about the effectiveness of the lockdowns put in place across much of the United States two months ago to stop the spread of COVID-19. It suggests that the lockdown measures have not only resulted in economic devastation, but could have also resulted in more COVID-19 deaths. Are you kidding me? We may have actually made things worse. It suggests, oh, I'm sorry, the strict stay-at-home measures put in place by the governors of most states in mid-March has so far seen nearly 39 million Americans lose their jobs and forced businesses to close. There are now more than 1.6 million infections in the U.S. and over 95,000 deaths. Unlike rigorous testing of potential new drugs, lockdowns were administered with little consideration that they might not only cause economic devastation, but potentially more deaths than COVID-19 itself. Author Marco, Marco Kolanovic, a trained physicist and a, str- a strategist for J.P. Morgan, said, we can see this figure of uh, increased R after lockdown ended. I'm not going to read through this. I'm not an expert. Uh, I'm not an expert on reading these charts. Uh, d- uh, the J.P. Morgan report says that restarting the U.S. economy may not lead to a second surge in infections that health experts have feared, given the falling infection rates since uh, seen since the lockdown measures were lifted in parts of the country. Almost all states have seen lower infection reproduction rates after lockdown measures were lifted, according to the report. Meanwhile, Nevada, Rhode Island, Texas, North Dakota, and Pennsylvania are the states where infection rates increased after lockdowns ended, according to the report. Infection rates have continued to decline even once a lag period of new infections to become visible is factored in, according to the report. A chart included shows that many U.S. states have seen a lower rate of transmission after full-scale lockdowns were ended. The R rate is the average number of people who will become infected by one person with the virus. Researchers and health experts have said a rate below 1.0 is a key indicator 
that the spread of the virus has been maintained. Reproduction rate data from RT.Live on Friday showed that all but two states had lowered the infection rate. According to that data, Minnesota's R rate was 1.01 and North Dakota was 1.02. The report also includes a chart showing the vast majority of countries had decreased infection rates after lockdowns were lifted. The chart, however, doesn't specify which country is which. Which? Take a look at Florida. No full lockdown. Guess what? They did better than New York. Take a look at South Dakota. They threw a parade for this lady. I bring it up a lot because I know it, but it matters. In New York, they have very strict and harsh lockdowns and things have only gotten worse. I mean, you know, add insult to injury, Cuomo actually ordered, I believe, well, the state ordered, mandated that COVID patients be brought into nursing homes. So you ended up with it, well, just being a whole lot worse than it should have been. I know there's going to be a lot of people saying, I told you so, but this is really incredible. Take a look at this. All 50 states have at least partially reopened this week by relaxing restrictions on businesses and social distancing in varying degrees across the country. Kalanovich said governments had been spooked by flawed scientific papers into imposing lockdowns that were inefficient or late and had little effect. While we often hear that lockdowns are driven by scientific models and that there is an exact relationship between the level of economic activity and the spread of the virus, this is not supported by the data. Indeed, virtually everywhere, infection rates have declined after reopening, even after allowing for an appropriate measurement lag. This means that the pandemic and COVID-19 likely have their own dynamics unrelated to often inconsistent lockdown measures that were being implemented. Those dynamics may be influenced by increased hand washing and even weather patterns, but seemingly not by full scale lockdowns. The fact that reopening did not change the course of the pandemic is consistent with studies showing that initiation of full lockdowns did not alter the course of the pandemic either. The JP Morgan analysis linked the decision to impose lockdowns to flawed scientific papers, predicting millions of deaths in the West. Boy, that's awful. Think about all the economic damage to all of these countries based on flawed economic papers. And, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm not highlighting just a single story that you can then say, oh, it's partisan. Oh, it's the right. Oh, it's JP Morgan. It's the rich people trying to, to, to get the economy going again because they want to get rich. I'm sorry. It's Dr. Fauci. Now, he's not saying the same thing, but he is saying we're causing irreparable damage by staying closed too long, or we could. And I think that suggests that when we now have multiple studies showing we were wrong about this across the board, time to reopen up, huh? What's the problem? I don't understand why YouTube would take down scientists, and they have. Why Facebook was, would ban videos of mine, apparently they have as well. Facebook doesn't allow some of my videos to be played. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm hearing. I don't know if it's true, but people are telling me that. Why? The data is here. Fauci is saying it. The evidence is clear. Here's what Fauci says. Staying at ho- uh, stay-at-home orders intended to curb the spread of coronavirus could end up causing irreparable damage if imposed for long, for too long, according to Fauci. He said the U.S. had to institute severe measures because COVID-19 cases were exploding then. But now is the time, depending, up, depending upon, uh, upon where you are and what your situa- situation is, to begin to seriously look at reopening the economy. Reopening the country to try and get back to normal to some degree of normal. There we go. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. All right, everybody. It looks like the storm is clearing up. I can see it in my metrics. I'm happy to say that we made it through this one. And I'm sad to say that it seems like we may have messed up and, and, and jumped the gun and taken it a bit too far. But hey, you know what? Hindsight is 2020. Never forget that. It doesn't mean we did the wrong thing, but it does mean we should act accordingly in the future. Now, one thing I'm worried about, this may have been a false alarm. But if we get a real alarm later on and we underreact because of it, that would be a bad thing. So you got to be, I don't know. No, everyone always thinks they would know what to do at the right time in the right circumstance. But we really, really don't. 
And while we may regret having done this, it's only because we now know we had the time. I think we did the right thing. I really do. It's bad for a lot of people. Unemployment got really, really bad. Some of these businesses and jobs won't come back, but we are going to see, in my opinion, a massive economic boom. We're going to see a relief package, I think. We're going to see people start reopening businesses. We're going to see new jobs start skyrocketing. Why? Because the demand is going to be insane. It will be a major boom. I hope so. And I think a lot of these businesses that were lost, it's very, very sad, but I think some of them can maybe reopen. Maybe not in the same way. But I think we're going to, we're going to see something magical. It is rather unfortunate it happened just before an election. We'll see how that plays out. But considering Trump's successes over the past several years with boosting the economy, I think Trump can steer the ship in the right direction in these next coming months to dramatically improve the economy. But we will see how things play out because now it's Trump's true test. Trump had the, you know, coming off the Obama economy with slow growth. Then we saw a massive boom in growth. Will Trump be able to bring that same growth back? If he can do this and he can do it quickly, I believe he will win in a landslide. A a recent economic predict uh, model from Oxford says he's going to lose in a landslide because of the economy. Fauci's now saying it's time to reopen. Every state is slowly reopening. I think Trump, he's got, you know, what, about five and a half months or so to actually make some big changes. I think he can do it. I do. I think so. But we'll see. We'll see. Everything was was destroyed and destruction is easy. You think about a big machine, right? An engine. It's very difficult and very precise. You know, build something like that. The precision needed. But it takes nothing but a single wrench in the spoke and boom, the whole thing breaks putting it back together could be very difficult. Donald Trump needs to make sure this works and make sure he does this right. He's going to work overtime if he wants to get reelected. Stick around. I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Will New York City become a ghost town? One landlord says 80% of his retail tenants skipped April and May rent as companies take a field day from office lease payments while weighing permanently working from home, triggering triggering an alarming drop in tax revenue. Oh boy. You didn't see that one coming, did you Cuomo? You locked down, you put COVID patients in nursing homes, everything got really bad. I just did a segment. Maybe you've seen it. Dr. Fauci says we can't, you know, it's time to start seriously considering reopening the economy. A study from JP Morgan said the lockdowns probably backfired. And now look at New York. This is, you know what, man, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it. If conservatives aren't having a party, pizza parties with beer and party poppers, they must not be paying attention. The, the, the stronghold for urban, liber, urban liberal elites may become a ghost town, the wealthiest leaving the city. These big urban centers shutting down and these blue states shutting down, and they're going to lose revenue like nobody's business. No more tax revenue, no more businesses, permanent closures. It's not hurting the Republican states that stayed open. As the people leave these big cities, and they spread out, it's going to disproportionately affect the left, not the right. Now, the right may get hurt in certain ways, but it's funny how all these stories popped up claiming, oh, the Trump areas are now going to see a big surge, a big surge in COVID. Donald Trump is sacrificing his base, blah, blah, blah. Nope, they're all fine. The studies were wrong. And we now know Fauci said so that, you know, we got it. We're going to see irreparable damage from this shutdown. We've got multiple studies now showing the, uh, the infection rates were not as bad as we thought and that the lockdowns may not have worked. But from this, New York is in serious trouble. I made a couple of videos about this. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, his worst feels, fears come true. The wealthy have left. 
Maybe they won't come back. Why would they? There's not going to be any businesses to, to, to go to. What are you going to eat? Where are you going to go? What are you, you going to hang out at? Let's check out this story from the Daily Mail. They say, New York City's real estate market continues to be battered by the coronavirus lockdown and is likely to keep suffering with no end to the current lockdown in sight. One major commercial landlord said 80% of their retail tenants missed rent payments in April and May. And others are reporting that even companies that have healthy finances are simply choosing not to meet their lease agreements amid growing uncertainty over how many businesses will actually work in offices in the future. Residents are also abandoning their expensive apartments by breaking their leases or failing to renew them to wait out the crisis in more comfortable surroundings. For the rich, that means spacious homes in the Hamptons and upstate for the young. It is their parents' suburban homes. The knock-on effect is an alarming, drastic reduction in the number of landlords who will be able to pay their tax bills on July 1st, which will result in devastating losses in tax revenue for the city and in turn, the state. In April, NYC and the state collected just $78.5 million in tax revenue on the sale of commercial and residential properties, down from $217.5 million in March. Tax revenues pay for the city's essential services like road repairs, sewage, sewage systems, police and firefighters. Those will take a hit if the situation continues. This dramatic loss in tax revenue is alarming. The real estate sector is the city's economic engine. Yikes, man. What's going to happen in other cities like Chicago and Los Angeles? Quote, the pandemic has caused that engine to stall, and we should expect such alarming trends to carry through May and June in the best case scenario. James Wellen, president of the Real Estate Board of New York, said in a statement on Wednesday, some say buildings will not be able to operate for another month if they don't start collecting rent. There are hundreds of buildings in New York City operating at a loss because of COVID-19, and many of them will not be able to survive another month without help. If officials do not immediately target relief to lower income renters and small owners who have mounting monthly expenses, they will not be able to reverse the damage this crisis will have on our city. Jay Martin, executive director for the Community Housing Improvement Project, said in the residential market, rent prices are being driven down between April and May. 70 percent of listings on Street Easy, the most used house, uh, house hunting website, were reduced. Brooklyn saw the biggest decline with rents being brought down by three percent. Typically, cheaper apartments are seeing the biggest decline. Boy, oh boy. The left said rent strike. Remember, they said landlord isn't a real job. And now you will lose your public services because they don't get it. The, the, the taxes, the, the rent paid to these landlords support the people who maintain the buildings. And it supports the taxes that go to the city that pay for hospitals and schools and roads. And when you stopped paying rent, perhaps you didn't realize that you were, stop, you were stopping the flow of uh, income to city services. This is it, man. The engine is stalling in New York. What's going to happen? Restaurants had to throw out their entire inventories. Of course, they're not going to pay rent. How will these restaurants reopen? And where will people go for food if they even still live in the city? Of course, there's many people living in the city. Man, it seems like everything about this was a major, major mistake. Maybe that was the plan. Now that Donald Trump is going around bragging, saying, I was the one who said we should shut down travel. They're going to be like, see, Trump advocated for this and he was wrong. Maybe that's the game, right? I don't think it'll work because the Democrats are the ones, uh, it's the Democrats who are trying to keep everything shuttered. But of course, hey, landlord's not a job, right? Well, now you will learn. The low end of each segment of the market has been more challenged in this market. Therefore, there's a higher probability that there's negotiating on existing leases, whether it's a deferral or a short-term discount off of existing rent. And that information is not in the public domain at all. 
Jonathan Miller of Miller Samuel told the Commercial Observer earlier this month. It means that when agents are once again allowed to show apartments to prospective tenants, there will be a rush for the lower price units that should drive prices down across the entire market. There is a moratorium in place that means no business or person can be evicted from their apartment or place of work for failing to pay rent. At present, these the rules are that they will have to pay back what they don't pay now. But with many pondering whether or not they should even stay in the expensive city when they can't enjoy it, the number of rent payments coming is coming in is likely to continue to decrease. Yes, that's right. When you reopen and these businesses have wiped out twenty, thirty thousand dollars in restaurant food product they can't sell. It's gone. It's trash. How are they going to reopen their business? They're not. You think they're going to pay? No, they're going to sell out, pack up and leave. These businesses won't come back. That means the landlords won't get money. And that means New York is going back 40 years in terms of economics. It is going to be an impoverished wasteland. This is going to be this is going to be nuts what we're going to see coming out of the side of this. You know, right now, stimulus is pat is patchwork. It's it's duct taping what the city has for now. But when there's no money, what do you think is going to happen when these when, the, when there's nothing to do in New York City? The market value for these buildings for rentals is going to drop dramatically. Hey, maybe it's a good thing, right? To some degree. But then there's going to be no demand for services because nobody's going to live there and they're not going to have the money to pay for anything anyway. Restaurants are gone. No more fancy food. Just bodegas, I suppose. And you're going to be eating, I don't know, turkey and cheese on a Kaiser roll. Hey, it's not a bad lunch, mind you. I actually like the bodega sandwiches. They're good fun. But a lot of people like to go to New York for the fancy dining, for the vacations, to see the sights. A lot of people like to go out to eat with their friends, you know, once a week. What if there's nothing left? Then why would you want to live in a crammed city living on top of other people? Especially when these buildings can't be maintained because the value is dropping. Then you're not going to see services maintained. You're not going to see roads maintained. You're going to see sewer lines busted, sour milk smell across the city. And I mean, there already kind of is. This is going to be nuts. I just put it that way, man. Vorn Dado, one of the city's biggest landlords, told investors on a recent earnings call that 80% of its retail tenants did not pay rent in April and May. 40% of its office tenants also skipped payments. Empire Realty, Realty Trust reported that a quarter of its office tenants did not pay rent. CEO Anthony E. Malkin told the New York Times, they think of this as some sort of field day. I'm shocked, candidly. In April, S.L. Green, the largest corporate landlord, collected 90% of its office rent, but only 65% of its retail rent. It remains to be seen how many companies will ever return to the offices they once occupied. In a recent survey by Blind of, uh, recent survey by Blind of employees from Amazon, Microsoft, Lyft, Uber, Facebook, and others, 35.67% said they'd move out of New York to a different state if working from home became more permanent. Wow, we are seeing the end of New York City. Facebook recently announced their employees will work from home. What, why, why live in a city anymore? This is it. This is going to be a dramatic shift. And I'll tell you what, a dramatic shift, in my opinion, towards the right. No more big urban centers, man. These people will move out. They will be diluted. And they will spread out into red areas where, yes, some red areas will be, dis- will be displaced. But many of these people will enter places that are so heavily red, they're not going to, their, their votes won't win. We are going to see, in my opinion, a, a very, very quick republicanization. I could be wrong about this. These people could flood and flip Republican districts. Maybe that's it. But these cities are going, are, wow, 35% would leave. That's a lot of young people working in the tech sector, man. 14% said, they anticipate never going back to the office. 39% said they anticipate going back to the office just one or two days a week. 
Twitter has already told employees they can work from home permanently for the rest of their time with the company. And Facebook and Google are also weighing more permanent options. What will become of their expansive, expensive Manhattan office spaces as a result remains unknown. Wow. To all of the people who rush to buy property in New York, ouch, to say the least. There it is, man. What does this mean for the economic center of the country, of maybe even the world, the financial center? The internet has made it possible to live or work anywhere. I got to say, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. While it is devastating and horrible what's happened with the COVID lockdown, it's inadvertently created something that may be really cool, a restructuring of how we live. People leaving big cities, moving back to the country, getting back to nature. I mean, that'd be awesome, right? Hey, for the conservatives, you're going to see a massive depowering from, from these political urban centers. This is going to be nuts, man. I said it was nuts like 50 times now. I tell you what, I'm speechless. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around. I will see you all shortly. After a very long and arduous legal battle, a professor has finally won a defamation case against a woman who falsely accused him of rape. The story from Fox 9. Law professor falsely accused of rape wins defamation case. A University of Minnesota law professor, Francesco Parisi, has won a nearly $1.2 million defamation case against a woman who had falsely accused him of rape. In his blistering ruling on Tuesday, Hennepin County Judge Daniel Moreno wrote that Parisi's former lover, Morgan Wright, had pursued an untruthful narrative crusade, and her accusations were false and made with malice. It is believed to be the largest defamation judgment in Minnesota. The vast majority of the judgment, $814,514, is for economic losses, as well as reputational and emotional damages. Only $100,000 was for punitive damages. Parisi walked out of jail three years ago, his life in shambles. I'm going to stop right there. This guy, he won what is believed to be the largest defamation defamation case in Minnesota, but only 100,000 was punitive damages. That's, in my opinion, disgraceful. And I wonder if, if I'll get to it, if the woman is actually end up charged as well. But one thing you got to realize about any kind of lawsuit, he might never actually get this money. You can have sympathy for this man. His life was destroyed. He was falsely accused. We'll, we'll, we'll read more, so I'll give you the fuller context. But does this woman even have the money to pay? It's not going to be paid. Who's he going to get it from? His life was just destroyed, and that's it. I mean, maybe he'll feel good having won this. Maybe he'll clear his name. Let's read more. Parisi was criminally charged with raping Wright and trying to run over her with his car. While in jail for three weeks, with his bail set at half a million dollars, his mother died in his native Italy. Days later, the Hennepin County attorney would drop charges because of insufficient evidence. Prosecutors privately conceded there was no evidence. Then why was he ever arrested and held? But the damage was already done. It was a horror movie, said Parisi. Many of his law school students, especially the women, assumed he was guilty. Enrollment in his classes dropped by 60% with some classes canceled. And in the eyes of the internet, he might as well have been convicted. Even after those charges were dropped, People Google my name and only see a professor accused of so many crimes. Now they explain uh, what happened. The relationship between Parisi and Wright began in September of 2014, with a chance meeting outside his condo on Washington Avenue in the North Loop. That night, they had sex and quickly were involved in a real estate venture together to partition Parisi's large condo to create a studio for Wright. Parisi's attorney, John Braun, said there were red flags from the beginning, but the deal fell apart and the relationship soon soured. There were protracted legal proceedings over the next year as Parisi tried to evict Wright from the property. 
Days after the Minnesota Court of Appeals upheld Wright's eviction in June 2016, Wright reported to Minneapolis police that Parisi had raped her 18 months earlier on January 22nd, 2015. The allegation was jaw dropping. Wright claimed Parisi, I'm not going to, it's already, you know, not family friendly, but I'm going to avoid the greater details. She claimed the attack left her with three broken teeth and some other damage. You can see it on the screen, but I'll leave it there. But there was no evidence, not even medical reports of corroborating accounts from people she might have told about the attack. Wright had also not mentioned any allegation in previous court filings for restraining orders. Wright also accused Parisi of attempting to run her over with his car in broad daylight in downtown Minneapolis. Once again, no evidence. And the allegations were nearly identical to those she made a decade earlier against an ex-husband who is now deceased. It turns out the allegations were all false lies, said John Braun, Parisi's attorney, who added there were plenty of red flags. One Minneapolis police officer actually read the case the way uh, that way and declined it for prosecution, he said. Morgan Wright came back six months later and found another police officer. And the whole thing started over again. What police officer, and, and, you know, with no evidence, would go after this guy? It's so obvious. I'm trying to evict somebody. I won an eviction case against her. Now she's accusing me. Mm, okay, you're under arrest. That makes literally no sense. The guy was being held in jail. Man, Judge Moreno meticul- uh, meticulously details a half dozen other fabrications in his findings. She lied about having a degree in music from Juilliard, about being a doctor, and, and having other advanced degrees. She also claimed her father was former UN Secretary General Dag Hammarskjöld, who was a bachelor, likely gay, and died in a plane crash. She even adopted his name. And while Wright claims to be destitute and on disability for a seizure disorder, she lives in a luxury downtown condo and is known to drive a Mercedes convertible. When Fox 9 reached her by phone, Wright declined to comment, referring a reporter to her attorneys. Her attorneys, Cassandra Merrick and Matthew Pelican of the law firm Medell PA, did not return calls or emails requesting comment. Parisi, a noted legal scholar in Italy and U.S., said he has lost numerous speaking engagements and business opportunities, becoming a pariah in his profession. His personal life is a vacuum. I used to be the popular guy at parties, he said. I'm Italian. The good wine, uh, I bring the good wine. I don't get so many invitations now. Parisi said he regrets that his mother never got to see him vindicated. He fears his reputation is buried with her. Parisi, who is the father of five daughters, said he believes in the Me Too movement and believes the tragedy of the case uh, of the case is that it could take away credibility from real victims who should be heard and believed. And the court has now heard it. This guy, he did not do what he was accused of. And it should seem obvious to anybody, even before this was reported. There's something he will never get back, no matter what you do. And this is the true tragedy and, dare I say, horror of this story. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to, do this, the, the, wanted to make a segment about it. It's not big pressing news. It's not Joe Biden saying something awful. It's not Donald Trump doing a backflip or Pelosi, you know, uh, slinging some crazy new bill. Just a guy who was falsely accused. But he did win one of the biggest defamation cases. I think it's newsworthy. I think it's newsworthy because no legal proceeding. There is nothing they could ever give this man to give him back what he lost when his mother died while he was in jail, believing that these accusations made against his son, perhaps believing they may be true, perhaps believing in her heart she knew it couldn't be true, but never getting that, that vindication, that proof. And now she's gone. And there's not going to be anything that can bring ease to this man's mind. That will be a life sentence. I mean, that's probably the most horrifying thing you could do to somebody. 
I mean, look, man, there's physical pain. There's torture. There are things you can do. But to leave someone knowing that their mother died with this allegation over his head in jail, that's what nightmares are made of. That's that's not only that. I mean, look, we can talk about what his mom may have been thinking, but to think about the fact that he couldn't be there for his mom. She took away something that no, no uh, punitive damages, no award will ever win. What makes it all really scary to me? I'm glad the guy won 1.2 million. But think about this. Think about all the things that were taken from him. His life destroyed, his career in shambles. He probably still won't get it back. 1.2 million sounds great. It does. How old is this guy? He seems older. Does he have enough to retire on? Is that 1.2 going to last him for the rest of his life? No. That 814,000 was just making up for the losses he's already, he's already sustained. That's the money he should have already had. You know what they basically said to him? I know you were in jail for several weeks. Your mom died and you never got to, you, you, you couldn't see her. You couldn't explain to her. You will, she will never get, there will never be a chance for you to prove to her that you were, you were vindicated. Here's a hundred grand. Yeah, a hundred grand. Basically two years of median income after everything he's been through. I get it. 800,000 bucks is a lot. $800,000 is a lot of money. But you got to understand how much he could have had, what he could have done, what he could have retired on. This woman, she, you know what, man, I'm going to say it. I don't know. It, it doesn't mention anything about her going to jail. She lied. It was overt. But I wonder if she won what she took away from him. She, she, she probably laughed when they ordered her to pay. First of all, can she even pay it? Is he even going to get any of that money? Nah, she won. That's how it works. That's the nightmare of the court of public opinion. We recently saw that Ronan Farrow, hero of the Me Too movement's reporting, was uh, embellished, to say the least, and in some instances, downright manipulative. It was a huge story. He accused Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer, according to Mediaite, was able to prove that a lot of this reporting was fake news. Mediaite published an op-ed for Matt Lauer and corroborated several witnesses' claims that basically Ronan Farrow, this story of the Me Too movement, was just not real. And I even said bad things about Matt Lauer. Now I feel bad. Think about how many stories we've heard that have been weaponized because in today's day and age, people just believe the victim. And that's what the the activists wanted. Believe all women, believe all survivors. No matter what, just believe them. Well, they do. They did. It's always actually been that way, you know? Now they'll argue it hasn't. But let me tell you, while the police may not have believed certain cases, the court of public opinion has always dangerously just assumed if you've been arrested, you must be guilty. There are some names I could drop. I'm not going to but historical names of people who are wrongly, wrongly accused and lost their lives. A lot of these instances were particularly racist. We still live in this world that a guy can have their life destroyed with an accusation alone. So to act like believe women, believe all women is necessary to me is shocking. In reality, we need to say, believe the victim, you know, or, or, or we should say, take claims seriously, but require evidence. Uh, trust, but verify. In this circumstance, a cop said they wouldn't take the case because it seemed obvious, right? Then what made it so another cop would pick this up and destroy this man's life? I don't know. I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, though. The last thing you need to know, as people are now saying, what, who, so what? He got 1.2 million. Like I said, money he should have already made. 100, and, 100, 100 grand in punitive damages. And guess what? She might never even pay it anyway. She won. And that's the truly scary thing about it. He gets the court paper to say he's vindicated. I'm happy to hear. For, I'm happy to hear from, you know, but in the end. He's already lost, I guess. We'll see if things like this change, but 
you know, my heart goes out to this guy. It's a horrifying story. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. in the next segment. Thanks for hanging out.